today on The Breakdown. There's 11 players left, and there's a lot of money at stake. $60,000 has been won, sure, but there's a million dollars for first place. That means there's still $940,000 worth of winning still to be done. I think it's even euros. It's better than dollars. And Ludovic Gailik and Christian Randolph get involved in a hand in a pot where both of them make interesting and maybe even surprising decisions where all this money is on the line. And let me tell you, they don't start out deep either. Gailik starts out the hand with like 18 and change in terms of blinds, just not too many at all. Sub-20 blind stack. Ludovic Gailik, known for being a little bit crazy. Well, he's going to have a chance to prove that once again. We're going to get into it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. Spazmaster Gailik in the house. What? Yeah, Spazmaster Gailik, known for spazzing. Yeah. The last hand we did with him was where he raised as a bluff on the river in a three-handed pot in a spot that was like, maybe it made a little bit of sense to raise, but you could have definitely found a better better spot to raise. It was a cash game against Sam Grafton and John Duffy. It seemed relatively questionable yeah. to raise. But also because of his image specifically, makes it even tougher to pull off. I don't know. That said, he's had at least some success in tournaments. Now, of course, yeah. overall winnings is not always the best metric. We don't know how many buy-ins these guys have. We don't know what his ROI is. But he's got three million in tournament winnings. Ludovic Alec does. I mean, that's reasonable. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. His he's opponent, been around for a long time, though. He definitely could be down. He could be on certainly that three million. He certainly could. Yeah, and I think he's had sponsorship, so maybe he's not actually down. But like maybe as far as actual buy-ins versus payouts, he could be down. I hope he's up. I like that guy. Yeah, he's he's fun. He's the type of player that poker really needs to attract new players. Like yeah. you can play crazy and still be at final tables. Look at this guy. You right. know. Like that's what that's what poker needs. Totally. Um, his opponent is Christian Rudolph, whose Hendon is unknown. I guess he uh, voluntarily took down his Hendon. He didn't want the government to know about it. Maybe he just has no Hendon. The, Maybe he's got zero Hendon, bro. I've seen him many times before. He wow. Has so he just he plays all the events, but never cashes. And I don't know what the tax <laughs> situation is for him, but I'm pretty sure Germany doesn't take gambling tax, and he's German, so yeah. it wouldn't be for tax purposes. It would just be that he doesn't want people to know. Yeah. Maybe when when they sit at a table with him, that he's good. He clearly has taken down his Hendon too. I'm joking because he's already in the money in this event. Yeah, he's already locked up at least 60k, and it did not show up as his Hendon when he looked it up. So because there was no Hendon, right? So yeah. It's not that he's just never cashing. Let's let's do a quick aside about that. It's kind of interesting. To okay. Me. Do you think there is ex- actual expected value to be had in positive by if you're a good player taking your Hendon down? So when play, people look you up for like a day two, they, they can't see who you are and see if you're good or not. I think there's probably very small amounts of expected value at best. Could, I, could I there know. be a negative result there? Like maybe you can boss the table around if people are scared of you and they look you up. I mean, if no one's heard of you, mostly those people, like those people who wouldn't have looked you up or don't know who you are anyway, mostly aren't looking you up, I think. On I Hendon. disagree completely. I would have not known who Christian Rudolph was by name yeah. before looking at this. And if I was looking up his Hendon before day two of a World Series event because he was at my table, that would certainly change my perception of who he was. And I'm, I think there's a lot of people like me. I think there's a lot of people not like you, though. I think if you're talking about like 
the more basic events like 5K event, 10K main events and stuff like that, I think it's populated by a, a fishier population than what you're talking about. And I, th- and I think a lot of those people are not looking up at that. I think you overestimate the threshold of player who looks up Hendon. I, I, I know a lot of players who look at Hendon's before the day of the event who are not good players <laughs> at all and have no other like analytical skills that would make me believe that they were some sort of high level player mm. thinking about EV and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I mean, I will say when I look up someone's Hendon when I'm on a day two table or whatever, um, and I see they have like impressive stuff, I it d- absolutely changes my perception of them and probably in good ways for them, you know, where I'm going to be like a little more careful. Now, I'm also going to think they're a little more capable of bluffing and things like that, assuming they've got big, impressive scores and stuff like that. Like I'm assuming they're not just tight all the time. So maybe you would think that if you are a player who is apt to bluff quite frequently and you have a good resume, then maybe it could be advantageous to remove your hand in so you can get bluffs through more frequently. I mean a little bit, but like you have to like your hand in has to be impressive enough that people would actually change their, their behavior around you, but not impressive enough that still no one knows who you are. Now, obviously there are a lot of players who qualify in that. There's probably plenty of players with like 12, 15 million in hand in that most people haven't heard of 12 to 15 million. I mean the way, way events go these days, Mm. like, Remember, Chris, uh, like a couple, maybe a month or two ago, we had that like Hydorn versus Rudolph hand, yeah, and we true. neither of us knew who the hell either of these guys were. And like Hydorn's Ru- playing a bunch of hundred Ks, and and Hydorn had gotten tenth in the main event, and, right? You know, yeah, that's, that's there's fair. a lot of guys in that's that fair. in that range. Um, I think I would rather have my hand up there. I think it intimidates good players more than it, um, more than like anything else. It's probably better. That to, for people to know than not. But maybe there's a specific thing if you're like a Ludo-type player where you're going to be a complete psycho that people are going to be like a little... I don't know. I don't know. Is it is it really that bad? Interestingly, it's not Ludo who doesn't have his hand in up. It's I know, but I, but I was saying a Ludo-type player. Like, do you think... Does it... In the end, Ludo knows his image, right? Ludo's not a dummy. If you're smart enough to take your hand in down, you would be knowing your image and yeah. thinking about this stuff too. You can always just play off your image pretty easily if you want to. Well, I don't right? know if Ludo can help it. Yeah. As, as far as that example, maybe Christian Rudolph can. I don't know. That's fair. Anyway, it's, I think it's an interesting discussion. I'd actually like to know what the listeners think. Yeah, go ahead and too. tweet at us. What do you think is the uh, the impact of removing a, an impressive Hendon and so people can't see it? Do you think that's a good idea, bad idea? What do you think? Okay. Anyway, that's the end of the podcast. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. See you guys in two seconds. When we start our next podcast, this is actually a separate podcast called Breaking Down the Hand with the Poker Guys. It's a new podcast. Yeah, this is the second podcast of the actual feed. It's confusing. There's different stuff. But anyway, welcome to the new podcast. Should I do a whole opening? I think we just did. Oh, okay. We're going to call it good. Uh, Let's give a shout out to the Twitter users Mm. who follow us and suggested this hand. That would be Discipline. Discipline. That sounds like a rapper. Discipline X. Just discipline these days. That's how it is now. Just one word. Until there's like a rebranding issue because of, you know, a DUI or something. Then it's, dis- <laughs> then it's Discipline X. <laughs> Jason Manning, who suggested uh, a hand very recently as well. So good job, Jason Manning. You're on a little streak. Yeah. And Alex, Tr- Alex Trembath, longtime suggester and listener. Congratulations, Alex, for just being yourself. Very, Alex, you know. Very impressive. Very Alex, impressive to be Alex honest. Has a, has a plaque. There's a plaque. In the Hall of Fame. There's a plaque. I think I can say that. There's definitely a plaque. It's, you know, it looks fancier than it is because yeah, nobody cheap. actually cares about the it's materials really cheap. of the <laughs> Hall of Fame plaque. From far away, it looks really good. And yeah. It's one of those, you know, it's closer. It's you actually get. It's... made of chocolate. <laughs> and it's pretty cheap chocolate. It doesn't taste very good. 
Yeah, we've eaten some of your black. <laughs> but. In desperation, because usually we have better chocolate around. But sometimes you get the, the munchies, yeah. and you need a little something sweet. Yeah, Jonathan's always getting the munchies at the Poker Guys Suggesters Hall of Fame I am. building in uh, Tempe, Arizona. You put up the, you know, you put chocolate in me in a room, Grant. <laughs> it's tough not to eat chocolate, man. I enjoy chocolate as well. Okay, let's talk about this hand. So there are yeah, 11 remaining in the Party Poker Millions here. It is a pretty serious situation with 60K as the current payout and 1 million for first. Yeah. That's a pretty big difference. It's, it's honestly like, uh, poker's so rough. I know, because there's 530 entrants to this event. I mean, they all outlasted 528 of them, these yeah. entrants. 529, no, 528 entrants. And the, the value of lasting 10 more is so extreme compared to not lasting 10 more. It just seems crazy to me. Right, like for example, Maria Lampropoulou, who is a very good player, yeah. got eighth in this event for a hundred thousand. Eighth out of five hundred and thirty, she got ten buy-ins. You know, yeah. Tournaments are crazy, man. Tournaments are absolutely nuts. I mean, all this really means is you just have to to adjust strategically, right, and go for it. Yeah. Even in these spots, like I think what happens a lot is players, not necessarily these players, but players will get to a point like where there's two tables left or even one table left, and but all the money's still up top, and people will play conservatively take their time and all that stuff and probably should just be going for it a right. lot. Right, I think, yeah, I think Win those big pots, man. illustrates the concept of reverse ICM that yeah. we, we bring up often on this podcast that I think the majority of, of regular tournament players understand the concept of ICM but maybe don't really think enough about reverse ICM where going yeah. for it is actually more valuable than conserving your stack at a certain point because of the top-heavy nature. Right. It's weird because once in a while in a tournament you can be like, Sort of sit, you make a final table. I, this certainly happens to me. I make a final table. I look around and suddenly there's three of us left. And I don't really know, know what happened. Like, I didn't feel like I did anything. And just people just busted left and right. And bam, yep. we're in the good money. And like, we're really playing for something. Um, but more of the time, it's not like that. More of the time, there's nine people left. And it's a grind. This table. It's a grind. And the people who go for it bust out you know, quicker, but they also win the money a lot more of the time. They win the big money a whole lot more of the time. And the EV's got to be higher just to go for it. Right. The the Sean Deeb theory. I think I mentioned it on a podcast a couple months ago. Sean Deeb has a, a famously aggressive philosophy early in tournaments where he's like, build a stack or bust. I don't care. Mm. You know, like, and, and he... Obviously, his EV is super high, but I think his in-the-money percentage is pretty low for, right. for a good player. Makes sense. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about this hand. Let's do it. As you mentioned, Jonathan, Ludovic Gailuk is the effective stack in this hand, and he starts this hand very short with only $22 million in his stack at 600K, $1.2 million. So between yeah. 18 and 19 blinds, that is not swimming in it. No, not at all. Yeah, he's got jack-10 off in the cutoff, and I think in a lot of situations for a lot of players, this is just a fold. Yeah. I mean, you can open jack-10 off in the cutoff in most tournament situations, but when you have 19 blinds, probably not. You could. I mean, the thing is, this comes back to what we are just talking about, that if you want to go for it or not, you could decide to be like, I'm just going for it, so I'm opening this hand. I'm opening a lot of hands here. I'm trying to steal the blinds or win post-flop, and this is how you win the tournament, right? I suppose that's the case. It's, it's, it's fair. Yeah. I think it's a fair reason to, to open. And also, it's Ludovic Gailuk. This is a hand that he can't help himself. That's That feels like part of it, too. It wouldn't have occurred to me to open jack-10 off, honestly, in the no. cutoff, personally. And, and we... Uh, like so, we we're using we're using a solver these days, as many of you know, and we have to construct ranges for these players. Yeah. When we begin the hand to to tell the solver like which hands are in their range that the solver has to account for when trying to create an unexploitable strategy, and 
Jack, Jack 10 off would not have traditionally been in this range. So we had to expand upon the cutoff 19 blind opening range and add some hands in. So we added hands like nine, seven suited and yeah, we and just gave him queen a bunch nine more. suited and like king eight suited. And we, I mean, it's kind of crazy. We, we actually went king nine suited was the last, the okay. last suited king we did, but we ended up adding all the suited aces, which we normally wouldn't do. We did, yeah, as you said, suited connectors down to seven, six suited, some suited one gappers, which we just would never have normally. We went down to ace eight off, which is probably a little bit wide normally. But like, if, if anything, we're being too conservative yes. with the hands that we added, but we didn't want to go too crazy and be like, yeah, Ludovic Alex opening like 45% of hands here. Yeah, we you decided know? he's opening like pocket sixes here this yeah. way as opposed to like shoving it or folding right. it. Right. We, um, we said, we said like he's shoving all pairs below sixes is kind of a random guess, but also kind of makes sense. I mean, he might be opening them too for all yeah. we know. We just don't know. It's tough to... that. This is, a, this is the hard part with the For solver. those who want to know a little bit more about the solver, this is a struggle that you have when with a solver is we're really guessing on ranges like we we have our best guess and there's reason behind it and so we take the standard range for the situation and for a player like ludo we add a lot of hands but we don't know which hands to cut off right where, like, where do we stop How, adding hands like, is he, it's possible he's playing just all aces or a lot more aces than a lot more offsuit aces than we're yeah. giving credit for maybe he's playing a seven off and a six off and a five off um he would be doing that if you know they were 100 blinds deep maybe he's just doing it now too but we cut him off at ace eight because we just don't know and we thought it was just not super reasonable. Like I think there's some level of discipline that we have, much like the the Twitter yeah. suggester, um, where we just feel like I mean, past Ace Eight off just feels like can't be good, right? right. So like, all right, we got to give Ludo credit. He's not a dummy. So we're like, maybe he's not. He's probably not playing worse than Ace Eight. So we did our best, but that's what we came up with. We, yeah, but I mean, like, what if it was a cash game and we were doing Viffer's range from under the gun? Like, how would we do that? It would be so hard. Yeah. <laughs> like sometimes he randomly is going to limp five three off. You know who knows? Yeah. So stuff gets weird. These are the struggles, but you know, we did our best and that's what our solver work is based on. That's what our parents wanted us to do. Yeah. Just my mom wanted me to know that I did my best no matter how it turns out. That's true. She's right. She's yeah, she is right. Lois Lovey's right. All right. So (laughs) he opens to 2.4 million. So min raises the Jack 10 off in the cutoff. It can't be that bad. Nope. It absolutely is fine. And uh, Christian Rudolph is in the big blind. He's, we think had some success, but we don't know Mm because his Hendon's not up there. He's got 51 million, so he's, you know, he's doing okay, like 40-ish blinds. Yeah, 40, 42 blinds. He's doing fine. Um, For, yeah, 41 blinds, yeah. Sorry. It's more continue. Like, more like 42, but it's, it's not, not a big deal. But continue. Whatever. Who cares? Let's not fight. You're right. You're right, and I'm wrong. Let's continue. 41.3. Yeah, moving on. Um, anyway, he has 7-4 off, and he's going to defend, which is in our standard defend against a cut. Like, we gave, just gave him the standard range of yes. like defending against a... And um, it was there. Yeah. Especially against the min-raise even more, so it's just gonna, you're just going to defend this. Yeah, man. so he, he defends 7-4 off. I mean, I think it's... I mean, 7-3 off is not a defend. Right. It's close. I mean, it's that close, but it's, but it's in there, so... And especially against Ludo, I think it's a yep. defend, right? Yep. Pot 6.6 million, which is uh, how many copies our book may have sold by the time you hear this podcast. Probably. I mean, it's definitely doing well. It could be 6.7 million. It's somewhere between 6.6 and 6.7. It's a lot of copies. So if you're one of the unfortunate few who hasn't yet had the opportunity to purchase our book called How Can He Fold? Question mark, question mark, question mark. You can see the link in the description of this podcast to thepokerguys.net. It's very easy to also just type that into your browser. Just do that. That's where you can get the book. The ebook is available right there, and you can get a link to Amazon for the paperback at that website. That's a good idea. You should do that. It is a book that is, as I think, was it Roger Ebert said, the finest book of the century? I, I mean, I don't think it was Roger Ebert. I think it was his, I think it was Selma Ebert, his mother. Oh, okay. Yeah. The but finest, still, close enough. Yeah. 
I she believe, did say. I believe Dwayne The Rock Johnson said, this book is more muscular than I am with all of its <laughs> content. <laughs> it's very powerful. And uh, what that content includes is, yeah. of course, 37 hands that we had text conversations about uh, where it's basically a back and forth between me and Jonathan. It's beautifully illustrated. It uh, is. And, and we really get into deep dive analytics about these hands while having fun. It's a, it's a book that we think you can learn kind of by accident as you enjoy reading it. We think it's a breeze to read. A lot of people have been enjoying it so far. We start with the least complex hands, go all the way to the most complex hands at the end where it's kind of mind bending by the time you're at the end. But we think that we get, we've given you the tools and the building blocks throughout the book in order to get to the end and still understand that hand, even if it takes you a couple of, of read-throughs. Yeah. We define words throughout to make sure that you understand what we're talking about. We have a big combinatoric section that defines how we view combinatorics and how we use them in hands. Um, we think it's really fun. We think it's, as it says on the back cover, a poker book you'll actually read. You should definitely check it out. Yep. Here is the review of the week. Oh, all right. This Let's hear it. The Amazon review of the week. This is from Steve. He says, Grand Jonathan, do a great job breaking down hands in an informative and fun way. I like that I can grab it for a few minutes at a time and read a hand, even during breakfast, while I have an English muffin. How dare he? Nice job. Terrible review, Steve. But I like the idea behind it and that he gave us five stars and he reviewed it on Amazon. If you have bought the book and you liked it and you want us to write another one, that would sure go a long way towards that. The Amazon reviews really do matter. So please give us a five-star review on Amazon and write a little nice thing if you have the chance. Yeah. All right. Back to the hand. Okay. 6.6 million chips in the pot. Ludovic Gylik, who is now down to 20 million in chips, sitting there in the cutoff with Jack 10 off, Christian Rudolph having defended the big blind with Ludo well covered with 7-4 off. Flop is Jack of Diamonds, 7 of Spades, 8 of Diamonds. So bottom pair for Christian Rudolph and top pair and a gut shot for Ludovic Gylik. Nice flop for Ludo. You can pretty much guess how this is going to go, right? Yeah. There's not much to say. It's uh, Christian checks, Ludo bets, Christian calls. The question is, how much should Ludo bet? Yes, that's right. So 6.6 million in the pot. Ludo's got 20 million behind. This is a spot where Ludo's short enough. He should never fold to a check raise, right? I don't think he can fold here, especially on this wet board. I right. think it's a pretty easy call, and you hope you're ahead. Right. And I think we want to accomplish like getting a little bit more value out of the middle and bottom pairs that are out there. Mm-hmm. And I think we also want to charge any sort of weird gut shot type draws. I, I feel like I want to bet a little bit more than a lot of boards considering how wet this board is and how our stack is so valuable to protect right now. It seems like, kind of obvious to me anyway that uh, I'm agreeing with you here that uh, you'd bet more than half the pot on this board like without really any trouble. Like it seems very obvious. Like of course you would. This is There's a lot of bad cards on the turn in theory and some in practice um, that we would either be afraid of or in theory be afraid of based on our range. If we have a hand that we want to bet, we're supposed to bet big. We're supposed to bet really more like two-thirds of the pot, I think, even. Um, yeah, this is like one of the most coordinated boards there is. Seven, eight, is, jack, all diamond, or two diamonds. It's it's relatively coordinated for yeah. sure. Um, I don't know why. we. I, I just think it's a, it's a pretty clear, yeah, you bet like 55 to 65% of the pot most of the time if you're betting. And I think this is a clear bet when we have top pair and a gutter. And Ludo decides to bet, but he does only bet one blind. He bets 20% of the pot, 1.2 million. Yeah. Which just feels like kind of a clear mistake. I mean, I guess he's trying to induce a check race. He's either doing that or it has something to do with his stack size. He's deciding to base his bet sizing based on his stack right. size, try to keep the stack to pot manageable. Right. But I'm not sure if the value of that is really worth 
the stack preservation or the stack to pot preservation. It feels kind of strange to me. The solver agrees. Uh, the solver thinks that Ludo should bet a bit bigger. At least it slightly prefers a bigger bet. Yeah. Uh, it definitely wants him to bet. It's happy that he bet it all. But I don't know. It, it just feels too small. Yeah. I mean, the solver says for his hand, 98% of the time, it wants him to bet um, two-thirds of the pot. Or, or 60% of the pot, I should say. Which is... Um, but but yeah, but it wants him to bet no matter what. And I think EV-wise, it doesn't see a big difference between the two bet sizes. Is that and, right? Yeah, that's that's correct. But but to be clear about the solver, how we're doing this, mm. uh, in the way we did this, the solver has three options here for Ludo. It has a 60% pot bet. It has a 20% pot bet, which is what he did. And it has a check. Mm-hmm. So w- with those options in mind, it wants him to bet 60% of the pot, what, 98% of the time? Yeah, and I think that's because it's like, come on, man, you're mostly going to be wanting to bet more than half the pot on this board, so we should be doing that. I think that's the solver's Right, point, and which to be makes clear, sense. it seems weird that, to hear that it only slightly prefers a bigger bet as far as the expected value of the bet. That's just about the expected value in this discrete situation. Right. The 98% refers to balance. Right. And so for the sake of balance and being unexploitable with this hand, it wants Ludovic Alec to bet 60%, 98% of the time. Like if Ludo's got, I don't know, we're just going to come up with some other hands here. If Ludo has two black aces, is he betting one blind? If Ludo has ace king is, and he decides to bet, is he betting one blind? Is he really doing that? I don't know. It's so hard to know. know. Um, I don't think he should be. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> so I don't think he should be here either. But fair enough. He, he bets one blind. In fairness to him, with his exact hand, the solver's like, eh, from an EV point of view, it's all kind of the same anyway. Yeah. It's pretty close. So that's yeah. nice for it, for Ludo. But yeah, but, but the, the solver agrees with us that just bet big in this spot. It's fine. It's better. It is better. And Good I've, job, solver. Yeah, really impressive computer. Stupid computer. Nice. Um, so Christian Rudolph has a very straightforward decision here. Yeah. This is like always a call, right? You can't yes. fold. It's Ludovic Gaelic. It's one blind. You've, you flopped a pair. I know it's not a good pair. There's not much room to improve. But so you, tur- you fold the turn a lot. That's just life, you know? Yeah. It's one blind. Who cares? Right. Uh, folding seems absurd. Raising seems like a really weird thing to do. Yeah, this, the solver agrees with everything you're saying, to be clear. The solver has him raising 1% of the time, folding less than 1% of the time, and just calling everything else. So. It seems totally reasonable. Yeah. All right. That's what he does. Seems very straightforward. The pot is now 9 million. And the turn is one of the very few cards that are good for Christian here. It's the seven of diamonds. Yeah. So it's now the board now reads Jack seven, eight with two diamonds. Then the seven of diamonds on the turn, bring the third diamond and giving Christian trips with seven, four off Ludo, of course, still sitting there with top pair and a gut shot with Jack 10. And no one has a diamond. That's correct. Yeah. So should Christian consider donking? What do you think? I think absolutely. I think a seven or an eight is a really good donking card for him. Um, mainly because so often this is going to go check, check, and Ludo's going to get a free card, and it's, it's going to beat us a lot. You, you want know? him to bet even his exact hand if an eight comes? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Um, As a bluff? Um, bluff slash d- equity denial. It, it, it's sort of a mergy type thing, quite okay. frankly. But um, I, mean, I don't know what the solver says about any of that. Uh, but... Yeah, I think I think either card pairing is it's going to go check check, and that's not really it's not really what we want when we've got just bottom pair or trips. Uh, so I think a lot of time we're not really folding out a better hand if we're if if the eight pairs and we bet no. So I don't think it really works as a bluff more as equity denial. But there's so much equity to deny on this board. There's so many bad cards from our point of view, right? If we have the best hand, 
Um, and we can put Ludo in some weird spots. So. All right, but let's talk about what actually happens because he does have a seven, not an eight. Yes. He has trips. Yes. I question the bet. He does bet. Yeah. I'm going to say that. He, he leads, which I understand. Uh, I question it a little bit because it's Ludo. And Ludo might have a lot of random hands that he's going to bet again because right. he's kind of a guy who likes to bet. That's not a terrible point at all. Right. I don't want Ludo to show up with ace four of spades here and just check and just fold where he might have taken a shot. Is this really a board where Ludo's going to bet hands like that? I wonder. You well, know? I think most players aren't, but... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm wondering about Ludo specifically. Yeah. Like, it's such a bad card for Ludo's point of view, right? Now, and forgetting about his actual hand, which it's also not a great card for, but uh, just for his range, it's a terrible card, right? Diamonds yeah. come in, the, the board pairs, and it's a card that the small blind or the big blind has a lot of yeah. time. So you'd expect a huge amount of checks here, which is again, why so often you'll see a lead here from the blinds. Right. And it's a really cool card to bet from just a holistic strategy point of view yeah. as the big blind due to the range advantage. If you had a diamond draw and you got there, you'd probably want to bet if you have a seven, you probably want to bet against most opponents because mm-hmm. like you said, it is such a check back card. If you have any sort of gut shot, it's a great card to, to lead as a bluff because no you're all over it. No doubt. Know? So, yeah, I think, I think that makes sense. Uh, I think just opponent-wise, it might be a, a higher expected value play to, to check against Ludovic Gylek specifically if he's just going to be a blast-off guy. Right. I don't know if he is or not in this spot, but that's, he is short enough that maybe he's going to decide not to do that, or he could go the other way and be like, I'm Ludovic Gylek, and what I do is go for it. Yeah. To be fair, I think with Ludo's actual hand, Jack Tenney's probably checking back yeah. on this card. It's like a really easy hand to check back. Super easy. He has but, the best hand a lot, yeah. but how does he get action? I'm just worried about capturing bluffs, which I think is something that you can probably do, especially when Ludo knows that he bet one blind on the flop. He's like, well, I'm gonna, I have to follow up on almost every turn card, even if it's all over my opponent's range. We could still potentially capture some bluffs even by betting because it's Ludo. There is that. I mean, yeah. Like, we're obviously not folding, right? Like, no, we're betting, against, if we bet this, we're not folding. Against a shots. guy like Ludo, we cannot fold. Against most players, you can't. Maybe yeah. there's a few that you can. But Yeah, I mean, it's not... Yeah, there's definitely a few guys you can fold, but almost everyone, especially when they're this short, when yeah. effectively, like, you just... You're bet calling it off for sure. Um, and Ludo's the kind of guy who absolutely could turn a bunch of hands into bluffs here and raise, but you're probably, it's probably not that frequent compared to like, if we check and he just fires again, it's hard to know if he's really firing on this board again. It is. It is very hard to know. If we think he's firing again, we should check, especially now that we're super strong and we can, we can call anything but a diamond river pretty comfortably. And even a diamond river, we could consider calling, but yeah, we could consider it. But, um, I think if a nine or a 10 comes, we can call really comfortably anyway, like, we can just call almost any river that isn't a diamond, which is nice. And you mean if we check and Ludo bets? If we check and he bets and we yeah. call, yeah. We yeah. can do that with the intention of, like, go ahead and blast off. Like, I ain't going anywhere. Right. I we agree. may have to call a diamond also, maybe. Anyway, Christian decides to lead, which um, the solver agrees with. It yeah. thinks he should lead 73% of the time. Although it thinks there is no expected value difference between a small and big lead and no real expected value difference between checking and betting. And this maybe goes to the point of, like... What's better anyway? Not even think. And it, the solver doesn't know if it's up it's against. It's up against Ludo, right? The solver has no idea who it's against. Yeah, and, and to be clear, this is not because it's um, the seven is a bad kicker seven. Like a seven, it wants to do the same, basically the same percentages of uh, checking and betting and things like that. So it wants to actually check uh, a seven a little bit more, if anything. So 
So yeah, so it's not about that. It just the the it's EV is balance. the EV. Yeah, it's just sort of like yeah, you could do kind of whatever here, and it's it's not going to hurt you. But but from a balance point of view, if this is a card you're going to bluff a lot, like if you have all the gutters, which you do because you only bet one yeah. blind. You have all the gutters. You might have over cards. You might have just one over. You might have ace high. All those things. It's like you're going to take a swing with a lot of that stuff. So you got to take a swing when you actually have it too. Yeah. I think so. Makes sense. I think that all makes sense. It's just, you know, I'm worried about capturing that Ludo bluff. Yeah, that's, that's fair. That's what I'm worried about. What do you, what sizing would you, would you donk if you're going to donk as Christian again? There are 9 million in the pot. Um, and Ludo is how deep at this point? He's, He's got, got like 18 million, 18.8. Yeah. Um, I think I would go for sort of normalish sizing here, like 40 to 45% of the pot, something like that. So I'm worried that's a little like small, 4 but million? yeah, something like that. What well, do you think? I think I... I don't know. Like, a smaller bet might induce some of that Ludo craziness that we're never folding to, even though we could be behind. Like, mm-hmm. maybe if we want to try to induce some Ludo craziness, we lead small. Maybe that's an idea. Yeah. If we want to charge random gut shots and, like, the ace of diamonds and stuff like that, then then you lean towards a bigger bet, I suppose. But... I don't know. I think it's all pretty close. Yeah. It all washes out. Yeah. You're probably right. The, I think there's, if he's not going to fold, I mean, we can get, we can make a big bet on the river sort of either way, right? Like, so we're going to have an opportunity to put a lot more money in and get most of his stack either way. Of course, if we size it up now, we might be able to get all in by the river. Yeah. If he has a hand he's calling, which is just pretty great. Yeah. And so uh, that makes me want a bit bigger too. It does. You know, and if Ludo has a Jack or an eight, he's probably calling with similar frequency. Yeah. Or uh, an overpair. If we bet 4 million or 5 million versus a smaller bet. Totally. I would think so. So yeah, then we get to shove the river on non-scary rivers. So that, yeah, that leans me a little bit towards bigger sizing. Yeah. Like let's give ourselves a chance to get it all when we actually have a strong hand here. Christian like instead decides to go with small sizing. These guys yeah. are liking the small sizing. Yep. He leads for 2.8 million into 9 million. Well, it does give Ludo a little... If Ludo has somehow has the Ace of Diamonds, which he can reasonably have here, he may just feel obligated to shove, you know? He might have felt obligated to shove over $4 million too. That is a really good point. Yeah. That's a really, and really good point. And then you get point. to capture more value out of yeah. the Jacks and the Eights of the world. Yep. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I love it. I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of the sizing. Mm. Anyway. Yeah, the Solver likes the sizing. Solver okay. prefers that sizing. Okay. So 55% of the time it likes this sizing versus a bigger sizing, which is like 21% of the time, and then checking 24% of the time. It's sort of like, eh, you could do lots of things here. But mostly it, like, it likes a bet a little more than a check, and it likes the smaller sizing better than the bigger sizing. But I like the bigger sizing for all the reasons we talked about. Mm-hmm. And Ludo's decision here seems as straightforward as Christian's was on the flop. Yeah. Like you just have to call with Jack-10 on this board. It seems crazy nothing, to do anything There's else. no reason to raise. There's no reason to fold. I mean, we have ways to improve, which is nice as Ludo. We, we, we could can, easily be ahead. We can be ahead. We can hit a straight. We can hit uh, top full house. Don't love blocking the gut shots right now with a 10. Don't love that. Because those, those, those are the most obvious bluffs that Christian has. Um, yeah, that is true. But whatever. It's only one card, and there's a lot, there's a lot more. There's seven more of those gut shot cards yeah. out there, at least. So that's something. Yeah, fair. So anyway, Ludo calls. That seems like the right thing to do. Yeah, it's hard to come up with anything Another else thing that's the right thing to do is to sign up for Nitrogen Sports using the link in the description of this podcast, you mother mothers. Now, when you say right thing to do, why are you assigning I a mean, moralness, a okay. moral imperative to this? You know, Kant prophesized a 21st century of moral epiphany and yet moral uh, shittiness at yeah. the same time. Yeah, I think that's what he said. Yeah. 
So that's basically where I'm coming from. That's your reasoning? Okay. Okay. No, I like that. I think that explains exactly what I meant. I feel like I got it. Yeah. Cool. All right. You do the rest. Okay. (laughs) You know, all I do, I I hurt the ad. I mess up the ad for you, and then you put it on me. It doesn't seem fair. So Nitrogen Sports, everybody. You may be wondering, what is this Nitrogen Sports? Sometimes maybe I hear them talk about it, or perhaps I'm a new listener. I've never heard it before. Well, here's the dill, peeps. (laughs) It's a poker site. It's got sports betting. It's got casino games. It's got all of it. It's got everything. It's fantastic because it's Bitcoin only, which means you get your money in fast. You get your money out super fast, faster than all the other places. You go on those other sites. It takes days to get your money out, sometimes longer. Nitrogen, it's 90 minutes every time. Every time. It's like Colt 45 works every time. You know what I'm saying? So that's right. I'm do- the, the, the beer, not the gun, by the way, when I say that was an old ad Billy D. Williams used to do. Grant's looking at me like I'm crazy right now. <laughs> Here's some more things to tell You're you. Talking about, about guns and beer. No, and stuff? beer, just beer, not guns. Well, I mean, I was, but only because people might have gotten confused. <laughs> yeah, guns. So, well, this is about for guns, right? This is what happens when I just don't interject and just let Jonathan go stream of consciousness for a while. So, so the best thing about a gun. <laughs> no, um, with nitrogen. Not only do you get all that great stuff, we also have, of course, our monthly Poker Guys only tournament. And that doesn't mean only the Poker Guys play. It means you get to play in it, but for an unbelievable deal because they guarantee a 1,000 buy-ins and we get like 100 people. So it's amazing. There's an insane amount of free money. As we've said oftentimes on this show, if you went in blind every hand, you are making money in this tournament because there's so much free money they put in The solver would love it. The solver would be like, I can't, I can't get in your way. I'm all for you. I'm backing you up here. You know, let's say things like that. Yeah. Um, Solver has a very nerdy, weird voice. I mean, it's a 900 buy-in overlay. You just don't hear about that. And we've been doing it for years on this site. It's nitrogen. You got to do it. Use the, the link in the description of this podcast to sign up to get yourself access to that tournament and some other stuff along the way, by the way. Um, we'll see you on nitrogen. Hell yeah. That's a good little... Uh, Slogan for nitrogen. We'll see on nitrogen. We'll see on nitrogen. Where everybody's a neighbor. Yeah, that's right. You want to borrow some eggs? You can't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like neighbors. <laughs> okay. Build a bigger fence. You wanna you wanna go in on this fence with me? I don't think so. Oh, you pay for it. It's not my problem. <laughs> okay. But can I have some sugar? <laughs> oh yeah. Thank you. Thank you. The fence looks shitty. Give you some okay. Arsenic. Bad neighbor. Wow. Yeah. Anyway. So River. we have Ludovic Gylik with Jack Ten on the Jack. Seven eight seven three diamond board. We've got Christian Rudolph with seven four. Neither player has a diamond. The pot is fourteen point six million. The river is the queen of spades. And in this, this is three of spades. Three of spades. Yeah, that's what I. That's what I don't I know what you put, but I'm telling you right now. I put queen of spades, but I guess it's it definitely is. the three of spades. I remember. I mean, are you? Because five six came in. No, it's the queen of spades. I'm looking at it right now. Really? Yep. That's super weird. Yeah. Okay. So the queen of spades hits the river. That's really confusing. Yep. And uh, it's not the three of spades. Five, six doesn't come in. No. Okay. Oh, well, yeah, it is the queen of spades. I remember this now. Um, so now nothing really comes in that can beat Christian that, was, that wasn't beating him on the turn, right? Unless Ludo has queen, queen. Um, yeah, nothing changes besides that. Yeah. So... It's a pretty safe card. The question is, should Christian check? Should Christian bet? If Christian bets, how much should he bet? Okay. Um, I think Christian should definitely bet. Uh, I'd be very concerned about it going check, check a lot here. Ludo doesn't have that many um, 
non-made hands when he calls the turn. Um, and if he does, by the way, um, he could make a play at the pot anyway, I guess, if he wants to. But like, I think we should definitely be trying to get value out of overpairs, out of um, jacks. Out of hero calls with tens, nines, mm-hmm. so any eight that he has. Right. If, if he somehow, if he had ace queen with the ace of diamonds and decided to call the turn, or king queen with the king of diamonds and decided to call the turn because he has overs and the big flush draw and not raise, well, he just got there in a way that he's going to feel obligated to call a lot as well. I don't see why we wouldn't bet. It seems crazy not to bet. Yeah. I agree. I, I, think, I think we should mostly bet because mm-hmm. it's tough for, like you said, Ludo to have an unmade hand. Of course, there's, this is um, a spot where, and I've certainly been in the spot in tournaments where you're like, as you're betting this, you're like, boy, I sure hope I don't get raised because I can't beat any value if I get raised, but I can get called and beat every, almost everything that calls me. So I kind of have to bet. Yeah. You know, remember that feeling of like, just don't raise me, brah. So just, anyway. Yeah, I mean, that's true, but. But I think we have to bet anyway. You just can't worry about that. Just All right. Bet. So how much should Christian bet? Okay. So the pod has. 14.6 million. Yeah. I think we should size it up a little bit, make it look like we're bluffing. I'd want to bet like eight or nine million. Yeah. We take away, you know, I mean, I don't really think Ludo has a lot of bluff raises what about, here anyway. What about so. shoving? Shoving isn't bad. This is something we talked about before, like sizing. If we had sized up the turn, yeah. it would have been easier to shove the river, right? So shoving is basically full pot. It's like 115% of pot. I think that's really reasonable. I kind of like it, actually. Yeah. I kind of like it. It looks a little bit weaker than leaving Ludo, you know, 25% of a stack and like a few blinds, yeah. which looks stronger yeah. to me. I mean, obviously, these guys may be levels. Yeah, there could be levels that. going on there. So it doesn't sure. really, maybe it doesn't matter. But I always like, what, you know, looking weaker if I can when I've got a pretty strong hand. So I think a shove is pretty reasonable here. I like a shove. Let's shove. You talk me into a shove. Okay. I, I think I agree. What, do you, what, what does the solver say with the queen of spades being the river? Yeah, the, the solver feels the same about okay. everything. Pretty All much. right, so, um, well, when the river was the three of spades, it said this, so you're saying it's the same thing? Well, I don't know. Tell me what, tell me what it thought. At the, okay, it, it, wants, it wants Christian to bet the river 87% of the time. It's a little bit less now. It's okay. um, 84% of the time. And it thought that, but it thought that checking is close in EV to betting the 6.2 million that Christian ultimately does bet. So he does bet kind of small. Right. I'm gonna, that's going to take a second to see what it thinks about EV now, but we are now finding out the answer to that. It thinks... Checking and betting are still very, very, very close. All right. What about versus betting pot, which is like a set, almost going all in against Ludo? When you say versus betting pot, you mean the um, checking versus betting pot or yeah. betting small? Because those are different. Yeah, because... Uh, which do you want to know? What I have here yeah. is that a pot size bet is worth 220K more in EV than the small bet that Christian makes, which is a very small amount of EV considering the size of the pot. It's basically the same. It's, it's almost, yeah. These numbers are all are within you know, millimeters of each other. So yeah, what you have is, is fine. So basically the solver most likes a big bet, mm-hmm. second most likes a check, and third most likes what Christian actually did, which is bet small. Hmm. But it's all very close EV-wise. Right. But as far as balance... It's just for balance. As far as balance, no, that's for EV. As far yeah. as balance is concerned, it wants Christian to bet pot 74% of the time, hmm. which means that, that that's a significant amount of the time when you consider that there are three options given to the solver. Right, right. Now, actually, 74%. So that has actually changed when the Queen of Spades comes out. Oh, yeah? What is yeah. it now? So now it's actually split between a big bet and a small bet. It's um, almost the same. Oh, really? It's about 42% of the time either way. Okay. So, well, that's, so that's pretty interesting. That is interesting, and it changes the solver's perception of it. I yeah. still like a bigger bet more. Me too. I think... 
like Ludo's going to hero with similar frequency. Maybe we don't have to move them all in. Let him have a little bit left. And like, maybe that overall strategy works. Who knows? I like, think against a guy like Ludo, that would work less. Maybe. I think Ludo's going to like be, you know, like the, you're going to try and push me around type guy a little bit more and be more willing to call. Perhaps. Guess. Yeah. I think he's a good candidate to shove on here. I really do too. And of course, sometimes we're losing, but like we're never not putting another chip in the pot if Ludo raises us or if we go all in, that's fine. If Ludo has a flush and, or a straight or something and calls, you know, we just deal with that. I mean, I don't think we, we just don't worry about that yet. Yeah. I, I don't think we even have to plan for that. It's going to happen so infrequently. Right. You know, um, we can decide later. We don't decide now. I don't know that it's necessarily clear that we're never not putting another chip in the pot if we get raised, but I don't think we have to worry about it till it happens. Because it's right. going to be such a rare event. So Christian does bet six point two million. Yep. Into fourteen point six million, and this probably changed with the Queen of Spades being the river. What is? How often does it want Ludo to fold? It wants Ludo to fold thirty percent of the time. Okay. So my inclination would be to fold or call here. Yeah. If, if I were a Ludovic guy like with Jack yes. ten again, the board is Jack seven eight seven Queen. With three diamonds. Mm. Diamonds came in on the turn. So without the queen, it never wanted Ludo to fold. Basically, it's always a call, but now it really changes its mind. It's like, well, geez, queen 10 gets there, and yeah. queen 9 gets there, and that's really problematic, because those are hands he could bet. And queen X of diamonds. Yep. Oh, well, I guess that was already there. Never mind. Oh, yeah, I guess yeah. it was. But that said, yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm mostly going to fold here against most opponents. If I'm Ludovic Gilek? I mean, if we know that the players got... If we know... As soon as the board pairs and it's the second or third card on the flop and there's just going to go bet, bet a lot, we're going to have to call a lot. I don't think we can fold very often. If we know that. Yeah. Right? Um, although this is a... This is not a great card. There are worse cards, but this is not a great card for us. Right. Either. It's also not a great card to continue bluffing if you're a Christian. Like, if, if somehow Ludo had a hand, like Queen 10 with a Queen of Diamonds... Mm-hmm. He just got there and is not folding. Right. You know? Right. Queen nine with the queen of diamonds. Maybe he has those hands preflop. I don't know. It's Ludovic Gylik. It's possible. It's hard to know. But if Ludo has a jack, it makes it tougher. To Maybe call. It goes both of, ways. He could have king queen with the queen of diamonds, ace queen yeah, for sure. with a diamond, you know? Yeah, hands you can like have those that. things. King queen with the king of diamonds. I don't know. It's not a great bluffing card for Christian. Yeah. Once you get called in the turn, if you're bluffing, you're, it's hard to get it through on the river, you know? Not yeah. impossible, but hard. Right. So I don't know. I feel I feel like folding is okay. I guess the solver feels like folding is also okay. Yeah, thirty percent of the time it says you can fold now, so that's like. It but I would fold I'd only be thinking about folding or calling. I wouldn't really be thinking about turning my hand into a bluff here. Yeah. Right. Especially with the stack size. Again, Ludo started the river with sixteen point four million, and Christian bet six point two million. I mean, so a raise is to try to fold out what? Well, what do you think the best hand we can fold out is? Because there's not. Like, okay, so the better hands than our hand that Christian would play this way are what? Seven or better, right? Yeah. So we're obviously trying to fold out a seven. Do we think we can fold out a straight? I think we have to be able to fold out some straights and maybe even some flushes with this move. Otherwise, I don't think we can do it. And you say this move because Ludo actually does raise. Yes. He, he doesn't go all in, though. Despite having barely more than a min raise left in his stack, he, he raises to 12.5 million, which is almost a min raise. Min raise plus 100K. I guess Lu- I will say this. Ludo probably isn't thinking he's up against flushes ever, right? Because you've got to think he's getting raised on the flop when they're as short as they are with a, against a flush draw. I guess almost always. That makes sense. So, so now it's really just straights, and that's flop straights only, yeah. but they exist. 
and trip sevens, and I guess some weirdly better hands once in a while. You'd too, expect right? flop straights to check raise a lot of the time, also based on stack to pot ratio, and there being two diamonds out there, and Ludo being able to have a pair pretty easily on that board. All the, agreed with all that. At the same point, as you've made the case, this is Ludo. You might want to give him as much rope as possible. Yeah. So it's possible once in a while the straight's going to check call. But we may be able to eliminate, not completely, but mostly straights and flushes from Christian's range, which is pretty powerful then if you're deciding to go all in here as Ludo. It's like, well, geez, maybe the best hand he really has mostly is trip sevens. That's pretty good. He's got trip sevens and bluffs. I'm already beating the bluffs. I guess maybe he can, and he can have a queen. He can have a queen, which beats you too. Right? You can fold out a queen, you'd think, a fair amount of the time. Right? Yeah. Maybe. You might be able to fold out a queen at least. Um, but th- that's what you're targeting as Ludo is, is a queen and trip sevens. And maybe you just think like he doesn't really have straights or flushes. I guess, but I think we can't entirely discount straights and flushes. Not entirely, but but I think you can you can throw out a bunch of them. No, you yeah. disagree? Okay, I think I think so. But like eighty percent of them or something like that can be gone. All right, but here's something interesting. Yeah, and it might be indicative of the way Christian thinks. He goes into his thought process once Ludo raises, starts talking it out, and he thinks that Ludo is never supposed to bet the flop with a flush draw, which is interesting. Which might mean that he would be less apt to raise a flush draw on the flop. Now, let me, let me ask a question, though. So he says something along those lines. Do you remember what he says exactly in terms of the flush draw thing? Because I'm wondering if what he was, when he was talking about the flush draw, he meant like, I don't ever have a flush draw here. I don't he ever was, have he a was flush ar- here. He was already on a monologue where he was talking definitely Ludo about has. Ludo's okay. hand, and he said you should never bet a flush draw. Okay. He could only mean the flop because that's the only right. time Ludo actually bet. It's really weird that he says that. Because we don't think, I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense. Almost all of Ludo's flush draws on that flop are nut flush draws, overs in a flush draw, or combo draws. Yeah. All hands that you can bet go with easily and comfortably on the flop. Right. So I don't know what flush draw, I can't really think of almost any flush draws Ludo can't bet on the flop based on this board and the range that we gave Ludo to start with, you know, which is a tighter range because he's only got 18 blinds and he's in the cutoff for, for a cutoff open. Yeah. You know? He doesn't have like super weird random junk flush stuff. You know what I mean? He's got like all his flushes are basically all reasonable flushes you can go with equity wise. Right. If you get raised on the flop. So I think he is betting all his flush draws. You would expect, I would expect at least, but I guess Christian thinks he's never betting flush draws. It's very confusing to me. Yeah, I don't really, and the solver doesn't agree with Christian either. The solver thinks that Ludo is mostly betting his flush draws on on the flop or should be. Yes. So I don't know where, where that thought process is coming from, but that might be a thought process indicative that Christian is less likely to raise his flush draws on the flop. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. So so maybe we can give him some, some flushes, you know? Maybe, although it's a different spot, right? Where because he's thinking about Lud- from Ludo's point of view, betting versus sure. like, check raising against Ludo's stack. But still, maybe you're right. Maybe he's got a few less. Maybe he's got a few more flushes here than than we're giving him credit for. Yeah, but not too many. But ultimately, what we're saying here is that Ludo is mostly just targeting a seven to fold. Yeah, and a queen, and seven and a queen. So should this work? Because it's kind of interesting. You'd think, okay, would Ludo just call the turn with a flush? Um, that's a good question. I think he might because he's as short as he is. He might, but he also might raise some of the time with a flush yep. on the turn. He might also just be like, I'm just going to get called a lot, right? Especially like, if it's not the nut flush and it's vulnerable. Yeah. Also, he's Ludo. His his image is a little crazier. He can just put a lot of money in when he's got it, and he's going to get called a lot more than most people, right? Right. So I would be concerned as Ludo that I'm not repping a flush very well mm-hmm. because I might raise the turn some of the time. 
So it makes the most obvious hands that Ludo could have being queen, queen, jack, jack, and eight, eight. Um, I guess those all make some sense. I mean, I think Ludo's making this play because he's, he's like, I've got the jack blocker. Yeah. Right. So I have Jack Jack. I block Jack. Although you're never really worried about being up against. I mean, he Jack, does Jack. have a top end range advantage. He, like Rudolph never right. has queens, jacks, or eights because of pre flop. You would think. You would think. Yeah. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And maybe even quad sevens. Right. Right. So like we have all those. We have all the super strong hands, and he doesn't. That's pretty sweet. By the way, we also have like the ace king of diamonds and the ace queen of diamonds. Now maybe we don't all. Maybe we sometimes raise those on the turn, but sometimes we just call with the nut flush. Yeah. Right. And again, Rudolph is going to almost always three bet a bunch of those ace, big ace um, X of diamonds, right? Preflop when Ludo starts with 19 blinds and he's in the cutoff. Right. So Ludo has a very strong top end range advantage, as we're saying. Yeah. No question about it. Yeah. And I guess he thinks that Christian is more likely to have a seven than be bluffing, which makes right. some sense because it's hard to think of bluffs at this point that Christian could have. I mean, it's really weird um, gut- gutters that were like 10-3 suited and stuff yeah. like that. 9-3 suited. Yeah. Where he goes, bet, bet. And I mean, it doesn't matter whether if he has those, right? Because either way, either whether we call or whether we raise, we win either way. So there's no value in that, of course. Yeah. So I don't know. It seems ambitious to raise because I think the story isn't amazing and we're trying to get him to fold a seven, which is also ambitious. It's ambitious when you're Ludovic Gilek, especially. Um, That said, this guy happens to have the, basically the worst seven you can have as bad as it gets, right? Do you think Ludo would raise a seven? Um, Maybe he would. I think it's not impossible. He's relatively short. Um, I would not think that Christian has many diamonds at all. I would expect him to raise flushes on the, on the flop. Flush draws on the flop a lot. I think a7 is probably a reasonable raise here. I don't know if the solver agrees. We could look and see. I don't know. In practice, would the you sol- actually... The solver actually thinks you're supposed to always raise a7. Really? Yep. 99% of the time is Interesting. a raise. So solver's with me on that. Um, I feel like I would find a call most of the time with a7 on the river here. I mean, practically, if you think, if you think the guy's going to check raise diamonds, which I just think he's mostly going to do... And you think he's got a lot of sevens besides that. And our image is crazy. I just think we're supposed to, we're just supposed to move in and like let the chips. So once in a while we're beat and mostly we win and we get called a lot. I like, I like a chef with, with a seven. But anyway, it's kind of neat to be able to just look and see what that is, by the way. Like what the solver, what the solver thinks with that. Anywho. Anywho. So, okay. I don't think I love the raise from Ludo, but it happens. Right. And he also does this, this min raise. He yeah. does an actual min raise, which well, is not, weird. Not an actual min raise. Okay. He adds 100K. Yes, you're correct. Um, but he leaves himself with like three blinds or something like that. It's all very odd. It is very odd. What, what would he do if Christian shoved, which he doesn't do? I he guess would you, fold. You have to fold. Easy fold. Yeah. But it's, it's so crazy yeah. to think about the, the price you'll be getting. Doesn't matter. It's like that Stephen Chidwick hand where he was getting 500 to one or something like that. With ace high. Yeah. We were talking about like maybe at some point someone's going to make a play on this. Right. And, but until then. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) as Christian, this sucks. Like I know this, this raise is suspect with Ludo's actual hand, but with our hand with seven, four on the Jack seven, eight, seven queen board with three diamonds, this kind of sucks. Yep. And I can definitely, talk myself into that Ludo not only has all the strong hands like sets and stuff like that, but that he has flushes and he has straights and all that stuff. And maybe he just called the turn cause he's short and he's trying to like make sure he gets a, a, like trying to maximize his chip 
I guess I could here. talk myself into that. I could talk I, myself into I 9, think 10, a lot yeah. of that is pretty thin. I agree. But I could talk myself into 910. I definitely think the full houses make the most sense. Of course. Of course they do. And the good thing about Christian's hand is that he blocks the, the full houses that aren't pocket pairs. All of them. Yes, that is good. There's no question. Now, I mean, Ludo's probably only opening like 8-7 anyway. 8-7 suited anyway from... I don't those. know. It's Ludo. Maybe he opens Jack-7 suited. I mean, maybe. I doubt it. We didn't give him that. No. Um, I doubt it. I doubt it as well. Yeah. All right. So I guess a question we have to ask as Christian is, what are Ludo's bluffs here? Right. That's the really big question. Because what we are not beating hell? the value. We are absolutely not beating value with a no kick or seven. So the th- only things that come to mind for me are like ace 10 with the ace of diamonds, ace nine with the ace of diamonds, hands like that. King 10 with the king of diamonds. Yeah. Um, hands that, I guess they block the straights and block the flushes a little bit too. Yeah. Um, and reasonably decide to just call the turn and not shove. Um, yeah, but here's the thing. As Christian, we probably know Ludovic Alec by reputation, and we opened the show talking about the last Ludovic Alec hand yeah. we did where he bluffed into two opponents on the river with a hand that should not really be in your bluffing range if you're going to construct a balanced range. It was just not blockery enough. I think he was blocking a straight. He was right? blocking a straight, but it was a three-flush board, and, and, and it was paired. Yeah, yeah. So was it was great. like he was really stretching to find a reason for it to be a blocker hand because yeah, he yeah. wanted to bluff. You agreed, know? agreed. So if you know anything about Ludovic Gallic, you, you might think, okay, there's way more bluffs here than would you would initially expect. That leads towards a call. Yep. I think distribution leads towards a fold if we are doing our value distribution. Now, yep. if we include all of our bluffs, maybe we can talk ourselves into a call, but I don't know if we should include our bluffs when doing that. Probably I don't think not. we should. No. Yeah. No. So we're, we're at the very bottom of our distribution. Seven no kicker is yep. the very bottom. We're not betting queen 10, right? Mm, I don't know. Maybe we're betting queen 10. Maybe we're betting queen 10 because we feel like if we check a queen's going to, a better queen's going to, a better hand is going to bet anyway. So we can bet to try and get value from a jack and an eight okay. and stuff like that. If we're betting queen 10, sure. Queen I 10 don't, and queen nine, we can bet. Okay. If, we, if we're betting those hands, then we're not at the very bottom, but we're still close to it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I know you don't think he has too many flushes, but he's going to have some flushes. He's going to have some yep. straights. He's going to have some full houses. He's going to have 7-8 for sure. Yeah. He has all the combos of 7-8 here, right? Right. So yeah. He's going to have 7-jack probably. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Queen-7 also. No doubt. Yeah. So we're, we're pretty low in the distribution. Distribution argument low. says fold. No, I mean, I think we're, if we're up against someone who is correctly balanced against us, if we're up against Phil Galfond here and he raises, I think we have to fold this hand and it sucks. Right. And I think against Ludo, even, we're supposed to fold a lot of the time here. Mm -hmm. Christian ultimately calls, and I think it's based on his thought process that led him to believe, for one reason or another, that Ludovic Gallic would not ever bet flush draws on the flop. Right. Which means he can remove flushes from Ludo's range and severely reduce his value combinations. He actually also says, as he's working this out, because he does it out loud a little bit, he removes 9-10 also. He says something like, you don't have 9-10. Which is weird. Which is weird. I don't know how he's eliminating these hands. He just thinks 910 is going to raise the turn, I guess. Or he thinks it's not good enough to raise the river. Right. It's one of those two. Right. In fairness, that's not crazy. Although I was saying, I think trips A7, although A7 blocks some full houses. So maybe it's a little bit better in that way. Um, It's interesting. So yeah, so he basically says, you're capable of bluffing and then puts, so I have to call and then calls. And then calls, which might actually just be true. It's Ludovic Gaelic, even though we're so low in our distribution, we have trips we call as Ludovic Gallic, you know? Maybe, maybe it's as simple as that. Yeah. But I think assuming that he has 
no flushes because he wouldn't bet a flusher on the flop is a very strange thing to do and not a good reason to make this call if that, in fact, is one of the major reasons that I Christian agree. makes the call. I agree. I think against a guy like Ludo, though, we can just decide to call anyway because we know he's a, a maniac. Let's pretend, though, we're not playing Ludo and we're in the same spot. Everything's the same. The lines are all the same, but it's Scott Seaver sitting there. And we've just bet, and he's just done this clickback raise. So it's not like a, a tight player, but it's also a player who is not known for being crazy loose. He's not crazy. He's not wildly bluffy. He has the play in him, yeah. for sure. The stakes are probably not cowing him in any way, but he's also not just going to be like raising people all the time and not having it. He's I think distribution guy. demands a fold. In I that think case. we just find a fold. I agree, and it sucks. Yeah. I think against a guy like Stephen Chidwick, who's got a few more bluffs in him, I think, I may decide to call because I just feel like. I just don't want him to push me around. He's more likely to be trying to push me around. But I don't know. I it's close. Like... These things are all really close. The solver, by the way, thinks this is a clear call. Hmm. Interestingly enough, it says 84% of the time this is a call. Interesting. With 7-4. Um, and if you have a diamond in your hand, even more so. It's 90, 93.5% of the time. So the solver disagrees with us and says, distribution is misdistribution. It's better than you think, buddy. We call. And maybe, maybe it's because our hand is somewhat transparent. We're somewhat face up here Maybe. where we didn't raise the flop. So we don't have very many diamond draws. You know, we don't, we don't have that many combos of, um, of value really, you know? And so this, this is one of our stronger combos of value perhaps is what it's thinking. I I'm guess sure. so. I'm not sure. It's surprising to me. Ultimately, I would want to, if I was just in a random world series event against a good player uh, and this happened, I would strongly lean towards folding. Yeah, me too. For sure. For sure. And against most bad players also. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, unless it was... Bad a, players is an easy fold. Well, right? unless it's a particular type of bad well, player. Well, yeah. The crazy just, guy you insta-call. Yeah. And the bad guy... But all the guys who are too tight and terrified, you insta-fold, right? Yep. But against a good player who's gonna, who, who doesn't have to have it, but probably isn't bluff-raising you on the river, you can just fold, I think. I think that's right. But Rudolph finds a call, and that is effectively the end of Ludovic Gallic. He gets 11th place. Yep. Not a surprise when he's down to three blinds or whatever. It makes it harder. Hey, at least he saved himself a few blinds to give himself a chance. He right? did have a chance. That's kind of cool. I mean, it's definitely a better play to make it $12.5 million than to move in. It is, it is clearly better. Yeah. It's kind of neat. It is. That, that works. It is. Um, and Christian Rudolph, or unknown player, ends up getting second place yes. in the event for Which 600, has be- 620000 Nice. So that's... Uh, we don't even know if that's a good score for him or not, but it's probably pretty good. He might have $100 billion in earnings. But we just he might know. be the number one. He might be crushing B- Bryn Kenny for all we know. He might be. He might be buying $600,000 bottles of whiskey, you know, instead of just those crappy $500,000 bottles yeah. of whiskey that Bryn Kenny buys. I worry about Bryn Kenny's future. You should. I do. I'm and not I worry, lying. I worry about that guy. Well, I'm not going to stay up at night about it, but the listeners should. I'll do it. I'll do it for you. Okay. <laughs> Music is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the crown. And gonna be traveling the globe, we still have time to make it.